You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show. We drop episodes twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday on all things business, photography, marketing, faith, and just girl chats. And if you haven't hit that subscribe button yet or left us a review, please pause this episode and do so. You would be helping us out a ton, especially if you are an avid listener of the show. And the best way to say thank you is in just taking those two minutes to leave your review. Now, on to the show. Let me tell you, friend, today we get to chat with the incredible Anne Blodgett about all things boudoir photography. If you've ever been interested in that niche of photography, or if you're currently in that niche and wanting to hone in even more on your craft, you are in the right place. Now, if you aren't familiar with our guest today, Anne Blodgett is a former journalist turned photographer who has spent the last decade documenting people and places around the world. Most recently, she's cultivated a large Instagram following of women seeking a positive body and mind connection through intimate boudoir portraiture. Anne's private boudoir studio is located in rural Southern Oregon, where she lives with her husband and three children. Today, Anne literally spilled all the tea on all things boudoir photography, including her journey pivoting from shooting just all the things, including weddings, into exclusively offering boudoir. She shares her tips and tricks for making your clients feel comfortable in such a vulnerable situation, how to navigate sharing or not sharing more intimate photos, especially in online marketing and how she handles that with her clients. And she gives tips on posing women to make them feel the most comfortable and relaxed, as well as get bomb images. Now, what we were expecting from the show, but what Anne absolutely delivered was her insight on how to navigate the allure and the trap of more in business. She shares her personal experience with growing significantly on Instagram and what it taught her. Basically, she gave each and every one of us a good wake-up call reminder of what's actually important and how we should be approaching our businesses, marketing, and life decisions. You intrigued? Fantastic, because Anne is going to drop some fire today. Let's get started. Let me guess. You're sitting on your couch feeling lonely as heck and desperately looking for a business BFF who actually knows what you're going through as an entrepreneur. Once upon a time, we were in your shoes and feeling that exact same loneliness. Yep, we were, can confirm. Before Evie and I met each other and grew our friendship to what it is today, we felt like we were just exhausting every option to find fellow creative entrepreneurs. And it can just be discouraging spinning your wheels with little to no progress. But I just want to encourage you today, there is hope and your desire for community is normal because you were designed for community which is why we've created a freebie for you, how to build community as an entrepreneur. We give you all of our tips and tricks to finding your people. All you have to do is go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash community to download that free guide today. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. And welcome to the show, friend. Welcome to the girl chat today. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited for this. Can you share a little bit of your backstory, who you are, I guess, what you do, a little bit about yourself for our listeners before we dive into the rest of this episode? Yeah. I, I'm always, I always struggle with this question. I've been interviewed a few times now and I always struggle like, how far do I go back? Like, do you yeah. want like... <laughs> 
That's true. Every, to, like, every time I'm on a podcast, I literally just like dive into like my like high school journey. And I'm like, wow, do I need to go that that? Right. Is it like, relevant? Is it still relevant? I don't know. I'm like, I'm older at this point. So it's like, how how much do you need to know about me? Yes. Um, so I'll I'll kind of glaze over my childhood. Um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest between Oregon and Alaska. I spent my school year in Oregon, um, which is where I met my now husband. And we have been married almost 11 years. And together we have three children. And I have been a photographer almost 11 years as well. Wow. Um, and I've been, I've shot literally everything from weddings to interiors to families. Um, and, you know, we're just chilling in the Pacific Northwest, raising a family and trying to you know, get by. <laughs> love I that. Love it. Okay. My follow-up question to that is, so you said you've been a photographer for 11 years. When yeah. did that, like, how did that start? What was your journey into actually like, oh, I'm going to do this as a business? Yeah. So I have a degree in journalism. Um, and I always thought I wanted to, you know, every movie from the nineties was like, this journalist who goes off to the big city and lives in his penthouse apartment and hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking like, like how to lose that in 10 days. Yeah, exactly. That like, movie. like, <laughs> that was, like I had, I wanted that like dress for prom even as a, yeah. as a teenager. The like, yellow one. The yellow one. Yes. yes. The yellow one. <laughs> and Classic. singing you're so vain. Yes. yes. And so I had this vision of, um, being a journalist and moving to a big city and, uh, I don't know. Um, which is the complete opposite of what happened, of course. Um, but I moved home after I graduated and I got a job um, as a reporter at my local newspaper and had never picked up a camera really. Like I had a digital camera, like we all had um, in the 2000s, like the big, well, they're little, but they're, you know, bulky. They're like a, a brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'd never really touched a camera. So there was only one photographer on staff at the time. And so often we were, you know, getting sent out to cover these stories and the photographer wasn't able to attend. So they just hand you a camera and they're like, good luck. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which, yeah, like they're like, just set it on auto and, you know, snap away. And there's got to be one that will work for the cover of the, the newspaper. No pressure. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> and so I found during, I think I was there maybe 14 months, um, that I actually had more fun photographing with stories, despite the fact that I literally had no training, like no idea what I was doing. Um, but I was having more fun, like photographing, documenting the event or the story more so than I had fun writing it. Like I just, it just really spoke to me and I, I, I wasn't looking for it. I didn't expect it, but, um, right before we, I quit my job right before we got married, um, because I hated it, but right before, uh, we got married, my husband bought me my first like digital camera from Costco, you know, the bundle where you get the two kit oh, lenses. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. The, the T3i Costco bundle. That's where it's yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and he was the one who initially encouraged me to quit my job and kind of just pursue photography. Um, and that's kind of what I did. 
I love that. Okay, my follow-up question to that then is what was the middle ground story between, you know, that section of your life or that chapter of your life to then pivoting exclusively into boudoir? Because you pretty much shot all the things in those years between. So are you down to kind of share that like journey and what led to that pivot and all that? Yeah, so we ended up building a house together in 2014. And um, part of the house plan was for me to have my own studio, which is the studio that everyone sees on Instagram. Um, And so that allowed me to have a space to actually do boudoir. And I'm trying to remember like the first session that I ever did. And I think it was one of my friends and she was pregnant and she wanted to do more of a tasteful, nude, pregnant boudoir session. And we just moved into our house. And so I had this space and it was clean and bright. And that was, that was the first time I'd ever shot it. And because I had this space now, I was able to plan weekends. So since 2015, I think was the first time I ever did this. It was a, like a boudoir weekend where I shot, um, like 12 to 15 women over the course of two days, kind of back to back. Mm. Um, and that's how that started. And so it was an, an annual thing that I did every year. Um, oh, that's cool. And I, I would also shoot like individual sessions here and there, but it wasn't my focus necessarily. I, I'd always imagined um, being this destination wedding photographer. You know, I think everybody starts off with that vision, you know, this glamorous totally. traveling photographer lifestyle, which um, when you add children into that, it doesn't quite work out as glamorously <laughs> as, as I'd envisioned in my head. Yes. Um, so boudoir is always something I've, I've kind of done, you know, for the last eight years, I'm really bad at math. So 2015 to now I've, I've always done sessions like that. Yeah. Was, was there a time where you were still doing like, like boudoir was more of just like a type of photography that you did in all of your lineup or when you started doing it, did you switch like cold Turkey and that was the only thing you did? So, yeah. So I've always done the annual boudoir weekend. Um, and it, it was usually the first week of March and it was like this weekend that I look forward to every, every year. Um, and it wasn't until, um, 2021. So last year, um, that I sort of decided to not take on, um, anything else. And that happened. So during the shutdown, the great shutdown of 2020, um, (laughs) I was getting all of these cancellations for the weddings that I'd had booked. And I realized that I was having um, like a sense of relief. Mm. And I was like, why do I feel this way? Um, you know, like why I shouldn't feel relieved that I'm not going to shoot a wedding this weekend. Like I, I should be sad. I should like, you know, and I had to do some deep you know, thinking on why I felt this way. And it, my heart was just not in it anymore. And I had also contemplated quitting photography entirely that year. And ultimately I I think I realized that my, I still am passionate, um, about it, about certain, you know, um, types of photography, but just weddings. Um, my heart wasn't into it anymore. I wanted to spend more time with my family. You only get so many sunny weekends in Oregon and I was spending it, uh, away from them. And I think that I, I really struggled with that. Like I've actually struggled with that my whole career as a photographer because, um, I, I got married, had a baby and started a business all within the same, like 365 days. 
Wow. And so I, yeah, I just, at that moment decided, you know, weddings aren't for me anymore. They were, they were great, but I'm ready for something, um, that will allow me to spend more time with my family and, and just be here for them in this season of my life. Yeah. I love that. What I guess specifically about boudoir is what made you pivot into that, you know, understanding the pivot away from weddings, but you could have gone towards family sessions or, you know, there's, there's a, a myriad of other options that you could have chosen from. So what exactly about boudoir is what you chose and what lights your soul on fire? Yeah. So I think that for me, especially like watching my own body change from having children and dealing with my own insecurities about that, um, sort of made me more passionate about this specific type of photography. Um, because during my boudoir weekends that I would have, I just really connected with these women who were sharing the same struggles that I was having as well. And like helping them work through their insecurities and helping them see themselves in a different light just really gave me um, a sense of value. And I felt like I was making a difference um, in their lives. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Well, and I, I almost think, I feel like boudoir, like you have such a, a great platform with which to like, almost like have a community around it. Not that you can't necessarily have a community around other types of photography, but I feel like because it's, I mean, it's women focused and it is, it's so empowering. And like, that's like usually the central message behind it Mm -hmm. that I think it goes so well with, with kind of a platform, if that makes sense, like almost like just like a a brand mission around it. I, I guess what has been your favorite part of, of shooting like women in that way? Yeah. So my, my favorite part is always, you know, women walk in, they're nervous. I mean, as anyone would be, if you're getting undressed in front of somebody you hardly know, right? (laughs) Um, but they walk in, they're nervous, they're excited. And, And I feel like because of my presence on Instagram now, women feel more comfortable with me because they feel like they know me a little bit, um, more so than just some random photographer they've chosen off of the street. Um, you walk in, they're nervous, they're excited, all these emotions, Um, they get their hair and makeup done. They look in the mirror, like the transformation internally has started at that point. Um, I can see their body language change. And from the, the start of the session to the end, you know, the start of the session, and this is true with any type of photography. Um, you know, your clients are always a little stiffer. They're, they're not as comfortable. Um, and then by the end, you're just watching them like pop poses, like they're a freaking supermodel because they've just, they, they have transformed like in front of my eyes. And that's a really beautiful thing to see. And and the reason that I do it and the reason that I will always probably do boudoir photography. I love that. That's so good. Okay. I have a question then for the, for the photographer who's either considering boudoir or, is already doing it. Are there any specific things that you do to really cultivate an environment that like allows women to be really comfortable during the shoot? Are there things, you know, do you play music? Do you sit them down and talk before you pull out the camera? Like, is there any tips that you have? Mm -hmm. So my, my process, I've changed my process a lot over the last few years, but currently, um, you know, there's always the, the initial emailing, 
that happens, which starts the conversation going. And then I have like a virtual hangout where we see each other face to face and we can kind of chat about like their hesitations before the session. Then when they arrive, as they're getting their hair and makeup done, I just take it as an opportunity to get to know them a little better and kind of laugh and joke and and lighten the the mood a little bit. Um, so that by the time we start shooting, I've already kind of broken down any barriers that might have been there. You know, they're already feeling comfortable and relaxed. Yeah. Um, I also feel like I have no problem embarrassing myself and telling embarrassing stories like while we're shooting so that they'd feel less awkward. Like I'm awkward. So you don't have to be. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I think that applies to all photographers. Yeah. It, like, yeah. it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like you have to be the one, like I always tell my coaching students, I'm like, you should be the person who is going so over the top with, <laughs> you know, looking yeah. the fool or, yeah. or, being uncomfortable to the point that your clients realize, well, I can't look anywhere near as stupid as she does. So exactly. I, you know, you, you have to really put that, like put yourself in the place of, you know, you can't look worse than me, honey. You're fine. <laughs> no, for sure. And, and if I have to talk about like nipple hair, like I will, like, I don't know, like just <laughs> yeah, trying to make women feel as normal as possible. And yeah, I think, I think that that's that part of my process, like has been really helpful in getting women to open up to me in front of the camera. And it's not easy to do. It's really not. And I I think that maybe I am just able to do it. I've been, okay, so let me back up. (laughs) I've been around women my whole life. Like I, I played college softball. So I've always been a part of like a team of some sort. And I'm, I'm just really able to connect to all different types of women. I don't know why it's a gift. I'm not afraid to say that I have a gift. Amen. <laughs> I said it. It's okay to be confident, right? We love it. We love yes. a confident girl. And um, I think that this gift that I have to connect with women um, really sets my boudoir photography apart from maybe somebody who is a little bit more reserved. Yeah. So I, I just feel like I, I have this ability to connect with women and I am very grateful to be able to use it for something like this. Yeah. I have a question. It's not like on our list, but I'm thinking as I'm just like marinating on this. I keep saying marinating like marinating. 5 million times. <laughs> um, have you ever, just in the boudoir industry, I feel like it's a type of photography that almost gets like maybe a bad rap or or it's, I feel like it's taboo or people look at it as taboo. Have you ever encountered that? And like, what have you, how have you kind of, overcome that in the sense of just how, how people view it. Um, there's always like the, the men on Instagram, whenever I post something about boudoir, they're like, Oh, well only narcissists would, you know, do a boudoir session or like you're self-obsessed if, Mm -hmm. if you're doing shoots like this. And it's not my responsibility to like convince them otherwise, like that's their own issue. Yeah. Um, They're also not your client. (laughs) Yes. And they're not, they're not my client, not my ideal client. Like, so like the the people who get it get it, and the ones who don't don't, and that's fine. Um, I I don't feel the need that I need to convince men of the value of boudoir photography because, like you said, they're not they're not my my people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So, in your experience and of shooting boudoir for so long, 
what is like the biggest challenge that you faced when pivoting into that full time? Was it something to do with your workflow or posing or, you know, anything on the back end, or was it marketing or just anything else that pops to mind of like the biggest challenge in that pivot for you? Yeah. Um, I think for me, so as I gained traction on Instagram and got all these followers and was pivoting away from wedding photography and, and keep in mind the whole reason I was moving away from wedding photography was to work less and spend more time with my family. I sort of got wrapped up in um, the growth on Instagram. And I was like, well, I need to capitalize on this growth and I need to hustle really hard. And I, I you know, I'm going to do this boudoir tour and I'm going to be gone every other weekend traveling across the country. And I just like, I wasn't being honest with myself yeah. And I, I've actually had to take a step back and be like, whoa, and like, that's not what you wanted. Yeah. Like I, um, so my biggest struggle is being honest with myself about what I want my business to look like and how busy I want to be. Um, and so the last few months I've really been like, okay, four sessions a month, like that's success to me. Like I don't need to shoot more than that. Having a completely full calendar and being stressed out is not what I want. And so, um, that's been a really interesting realization. Even my husband's like, I thought you were going to be gone a lot this summer. (laughs) (laughs) Like he, he knows me better than I know myself. I think he knew I wasn't going to like going to want to do that. Yeah. Right. So I think like balancing the Instagram fame with like my actual reality and my desires has been very difficult for me. Yeah. Um, But I'm coming out, like I'm coming out of the the Instagram shadow, uh, and am realizing what I actually want out of my business. And it's not to be, you know, busy every weekend. And yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's <laughs> we're well, literally we are literally about to say the exact same thing. You go ahead. Okay. okay. Well, I was just going to say, I think that's really, um, inspiring and relatable. Also, I, I think I feel like this is just like not even on topic with today's conversation, but I feel like everybody is like so over Instagram lately. I feel like we've just all been tired Mm -hmm. over it, like annoyed, like ready to quit. Like literally I've talked to so many people of just like feeling like we're all trying to chase more and more followers and more and more growth. And And I think that's really, yeah, yeah, exactly for what. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to get caught up, especially when you do start seeing that growth, like you were saying, Anne. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to like almost get put into a haze, like be blinded yes. by a haze, the, the... A haze is maybe a better word for it than a shadow. Like yeah, a haze, I like that word better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's easy. Like you were saying, like even your your business mind, your marketing brain was clicking mm-hmm. in. It wasn't necessarily that you were thinking, oh, now I'm the hot like shiz and everyone <laughs> should like... It was more of a strategic, I should take advantage of this. And all these people are being exposed to my work and I could make a ton of money and I could, you know, you're, you're thinking like growth, but the reality is, you know, that pivot for you. And I'm sure for a lot of people, depending on their goals, you know, if you're pivoting in and and niching down and honing in on something, it's probably because you're trying to stop running in the rat race and, you know, really scale back a little bit. So I love that you just shared that because I think that's a very good perspective shift for everyone. And especially for anyone who's right now, kind of feeling like I have to grow on Instagram or I have to, you know, see all this growth or they could look at you Anne, and be like, Oh my gosh, this girl's popping off on social media and like becoming all, you know, 
the the hot thing. Yeah. And I feel like there's this um, misconception too about, oh, well, she has over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. She's probably making six figures and she's getting all these brand deals and like just crushing it. And yeah. that's like, so not the reality. And, and I think I had that misconception too, before I grew on Instagram, it's like, Oh, it must be so nice to have that many followers and not be able to, or not have to, you know, work hard because all you have to do is post on Instagram. Right. And like you make money and that's just so not the reality of being an influencer. Yeah, and absolutely. also there's like so many other people on Instagram who are who are telling us, like you said, like, oh, you have to grow on Instagram to make money and you have to, you know, you can become a full-time influencer and like quit your day job. And it's like, ugh, I'm just so over it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel that. I, I really, I've been in this, in this season where it's just like, do I want to try to grow my audience to, just to get more brand deals. Cause I'm like, that just means more dancing monkey for me to yeah. be in front of everybody and like walking on eggshells, caring about metrics. I'm like, no. It, it <laughs> feels like you're, you're constantly selling things to other people. Yeah. And like, yeah. I know that you both are very selective on, on the brands that you partner with too. Mm-hmm. Um, but even this this small number that I have, it's like I always feel like I'm pushing it, and I don't like that at all. Like that's yeah. not it's not who I am, and yeah. it's not what you know the heart of my business is 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 boudoir, and that's I realized that the last month or so, mm. and um, yeah, it's been it's been actually a really good realization for me. I yeah. love that. Listen up, entrepreneurs. Do you ever struggle with getting all of the nutrients that you need in a day? Because let's be real, you are busy as heck. Same. Introducing Athletic Greens. We've started taking AG1 because we wanted to see what all of the hype was about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Literally all the things. Yes, AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And a friend of ours describes it as white gummy bear flavor, and that is very accurate. (laughs) Yes, it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in the winter months when you don't get as much sunlight. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash heart. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash heart to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Have you ever been working with your team on a project and you're trying to do everything over email? And let's be real, things work well enough in the beginning, but once you start adding more than a couple of people or sharing more than a couple of files, the whole thing becomes a big old mess. We relate to that big time. We uh, started our team communication via text messaging. So let's just say that got very messy very fast. (laughs) Yes, this is where Basecamp comes in. Basecamp is designed to make managing projects easy for everyone. Basecamp offers a straightforward concept of project management, and it allows collaboration with internal team and clients. Yes, a lot of Basecamp customers use it to collaborate with clients, but it was also built to help teams stay in the loop of the work they need to do without overwhelming everyone with countless emails and notifications. The company as a whole is big on work-life balance, and you know we love that here too. 
Go to basecamp.com forward slash heart and sign up today to start a free 30-day trial. There's no credit card required and you can cancel online at any time. Yes, if you want to know if Basecamp is right for your team, signing up for a trial is the best way to do so. Remember to go to basecamp.com forward slash heart to get your free trial. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. I have a question kind of in the, in the same, while we're talking about like large following, this maybe doesn't apply to everybody because not, not everybody listening has like a hundred K followers, yeah. but I think this is still a problem that a lot of boudoir photographers deal with specifically. How do you go about marketing photos that might be sensitive on your platform? Like, obviously I know in contracts you can be like, Hey, if you do a shoot with me, you give me permission to like use this, you know, in marketing material on my website and, and Instagram. But yeah. I think with boudoir specifically, because it is women's bodies, it, it how do you navigate that? Yeah. So I have a contract and I give, um, my clients the ability to choose within the contract, whether or not they want me to share any of their images. Um, so they, they select yes or no. And so there's a hard line to start. And then if they do say yes, I always, um, run it by them. Like I'll always send them a text and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about sharing this image. Are you comfortable with that? And so I'm being very specific about the images I share. I would, I would never want to put an image of a woman out there that she didn't want on the internet. Like we don't need nudes of ourselves out there. And also the, the images that I do share. And obviously I've, I've not been sharing to my main Instagram page. And I actually haven't been sharing much at all because I've been MIA on social, but I just make sure that they're pretty tasteful. Like I don't generally show nudity and the shoot, like when I am shooting, there are women who get completely nude, but that's just not something I'm, I want to necessarily showcase on the internet because I, I, those are private and those are special images that are reserved only for my clients and, and, you know, the people who they would like to share those photos with. Yeah, totally. So I try to, they're tasteful. They're they're tasteful. They're pretty, they're romantic. Um, and maybe the ones that are less so I, I don't even attempt to post on online. Yeah. I like that you said your style is so like airy and romantic. I like that you said romantic because that's like what the vibes I get when I look at your work. Romantic and tasteful are definitely two words I would use to describe it, which I love. tried, I've tried to be like, a little darker and dirtier at times, but I just, it's not in me. Like when I look at women, I just, I see them as these beautiful, romantic, like ethereal beings and I can't shoot them any other way. I don't know. I love love that though. Well, I have a question when it, when it comes to those photos and the fact that you are a little bit more limited and some clients say no to sharing altogether, which totally understand why, but have you ever felt like that has actually hindered your ability to market? And no. it, okay. I was going to say, yeah. if so how have you navigated like showcasing that you're shooting a lot, showcasing that you're doing stuff, really creating demand and, you know, excitement and awareness about what you're doing, yeah, but not think, necessarily being able to share. I think, um, because of the process that I've, I've implemented into my boudoir sessions, um, and the final result that the women see, they're like really excited for me to share their images. Mm. Like they feel amazing. I they, love that. They love how they look and they're like, heck yeah, please share it. Like, I feel like a freaking badass. I feel beautiful. I want the world to know. So I really haven't run into any issues with like using images for marketing or, or social media. So yeah. I love that. That's yeah, amazing. That's, that's amazing. 
How, I have another follow-up question. Yeah. How have you, especially being a full-time like photo- like wedding photographer and then switching into boudoir full-time, I feel like a lot of photographers go towards the wedding industry almost maybe not even because they love it, but because it's the most, uh, at least from the from just like the naked eye, like it seems like the easiest way to make money as a photographer because the, you know, weddings are a little bit more higher ticket. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, it's like, oh, I do like 20 to 30 a year. I have a full year's income. How have you navigated that? For anybody that might want to do boudoir full time, how have you found like success and scalability into niching down into just boudoir? Yeah. So obviously weddings are, like you said, the the high ticket sessions or, or jobs. Um, which is not to say that you can't make that in a weekend shooting boudoir. I've definitely done it. Um, just, you know, doing the boudoir weekends where I shoot 12 to 15 women in a weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, I can make about the same as I would for a wedding here in Oregon, but my, my goal was never to like make a ton of money. Like that's, Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate that my husband has an amazing job and um, he supports our family and I can have the freedom to just create and take on the work that I want to take on. Um, I love that. And yeah, I just, it's never been like, I need, I need to now shoot a hundred boudoir sessions yeah. to make up for not shooting weddings anymore. Yeah. Luckily. Cause that would be, I mean, that, that would take the fun out of it. That would take you know, the, my, I think my quality of work would go down. I love that you just like subtly kind of gave listeners a reminder and permission to, if, if they can, not everyone can do, you know, they, they might be the sole income or they might be single and, you know, living on themselves, whatever their, everyone's story is totally different, but you know, for a lot of us who are wives or, or mothers or want to be mothers someday or whatever, you, I feel like you just almost gave that reminder of you don't have to like hustle for more. Like yeah. you don't have to be making six figures in order to be enjoying what you're doing and living a, like a life that you love. And that reminder needs to be given, I think, in the entrepreneur space a lot more. And I love that that just kind of like subtly seeped into this conversation. Yeah. And that's, that's been a really hard lesson for me to learn because growing up, I, my mom was like the, the, she wore the pants in the family, so to speak. And I was raised by a stay at home dad. And so I had this really strong, um, female figure in my life. And so I felt like I needed to be that for my family. And I felt like I was failing because I wasn't doing that. Um, and so it's taken me quite a few years to, um, realize that my, my heart is with my kids and that's okay. Like my number one job in our family, in our life is raising my children. And that I did struggle with that early on. Um, you know, now that my kids are uh, older, I obviously have a lot more, uh, freedom to work on my career than I did when they were little. Um, but I, I do think it's an important message to tell women who are starting in this industry, who also have children or want to start a family or, you know, be, uh, a stay at home mom on the side or, you know what I mean? Just like, Mm -hmm. yeah 
it's okay to not hustle and it's okay to raise your kids alongside your, um, you know, photography business. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't you don't have, have to, to just, you don't have to going. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And, it, and there's going to be different seasons of both like that demand more of your time. Yeah. Oh, amen. That's a freaking word. So good. I, so good. <laughs> I have a question for you, Anne, as we kind of get towards, you know, wrapping up this interview, which maybe Wait, it, are, I have a question specifically about boudoir. If you're going to go on. Yeah, to yeah, the yeah. End. Go for it, Lindsay. Okay. I, I, I want to give a moment for anybody that's listening to this, that is interested in boudoir photography, that like wants to learn more about it. Do you have any just like really brief, like snapshot? I don't even know what I'm saying. Like quick, uh, pose ideas or tips that you could give a listener. That's like wanting to dive in of like ways that like you photograph, like, I, I guess, like, like prompts. Yeah. So I always start all of my clients in the same position to begin with. Um, just because, as I mentioned earlier, like, the start of the session, nerves are still high. And mm-hmm. so I want to get them in a position to start that's very, very comfortable and, like, uh, not intimidating at all. Like, we don't need to get into, like, any sort of weird, twisty yoga poses <laughs> right off the bat, you know? So... I generally will have them start, and I have a I have a bed in my studio, um, and you don't need a bed; it can be on the ground for that matter. But I always have them start out on their back, laying down, um, and then just have them close their eyes gently, and that way they can just sort of sit there and breathe and relax, and and they're not having to make eye contact with me at all, um, and they can just lay there and look pretty, and then I kind of you know move around them and and get those you know, angles of their face and how they're like, their hands are laying, maybe they're resting them on their bodies or like up by their face. And then I can just, from that position alone, I can have them move around, you know, like uh, have them draw a line with their fingers down the center of their body. And just that alone will lend itself to several photos that are beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from there, we can sort of get a little bit more complicated or you know, risque if we need to, but, um, I always start them out in a position that is like as chill as possible. Yeah. I love that. I just wanted to give like that nugget. If anybody's out there like, Hey, I really want to get into boudoir photography. What do you recommend? So I I love that. That was a great, great tip. So good. Okay. Back to my question. (laughs) You you may have answered this, Anne, earlier and just saying like, I really had to like learn this and, you know, all this, but we love to ask pretty much all of our guests this question. And it's just so cool hearing different people's lessons that they've learned. But what is the biggest lesson that you have learned in your years of business? Yeah, definitely valuing my time. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that as artists, we don't feel like it deserves to be compensated. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that, and my husband points this out to me all the time. He's like, he's the yin to my yang. So as I'm, you know, slaving away, editing for hours, he'd be like, you're getting paid for this, right? I'm like, I mean, kind of like not, not really. <laughs> and he, he's the one who's always like, you need to make sure that you're paying yourself a wage for the time that you're spent editing. And, yeah. and for the first, probably, I don't know, five, eight years of my photography career, I don't think that I was, you know, you do a session, let's say it's $500. 
and you're not taking, by the time you take into account, like all the editing, all of the correspondence that you're doing with your clients, um, the time it takes to travel to and from your location, you know, you're, you're getting paid. Like, I think I was getting, he did the math for me. Like I said, I'm really bad at math. He did the math for me and I was actually getting paid less than when I was an intern as a reporter. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Dang. You're like eye opening. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's the numbers guy and he's like the spreadsheet man. And he does all this. And he like put it out on the spreadsheet for me. And I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, I mean, like, it's not about money for me, but also like I want to be making sure that it makes sense because right. the, time, the time that I'm spending doing it is time away from my family and my children. Yeah. And so I want to make sure that it's worth it for everybody involved here. So yeah, totally. yeah uh, that's, been, that's been the biggest, I think, uh, lesson. That is uh, a good freaking lesson. <laughs> okay. Next question that we love to ask, what's a favorite book that you've read recently? Oh, and you know what? I knew that you were going to ask me this and, uh, I am not a reader. <laughs> that is a okay. Reported right before you also said that. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about it though is like, I want to be a reader and like, I love the idea of books. Like I always am buying books. I have, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing because I have about, uh, 15 literally on my nightstand. That's amazing. <laughs> And I have not, I've read one book this year and nice. um, it was out of desperation because I was traveling and I found it at the airport and it was when I was on my way to visit my family in Alaska and I had no cell phone service. So I couldn't, I had to read, like I literally had like no <laughs> other option. I, I like- couldn't scroll reels. And so I read the, yes. uh, the paper palace is the one book that I read this year. Oh, okay. Wait, I have beef on that book. Sorry. I've read that book. (laughs) That's the one book you've read. I've got got no book to compare it to. So I thought it was really good. No, I mean, it was, it was good. It just, the ending, I was like, what the crap? The ending did suck. The ending did suck. I was like, did she, or didn't, what the hell am I reading? Okay. Well, we won't (laughs) give it away for anybody that has, everybody else that's read that book that's DM'd me. They've been like, have you read it? And just been like, WTF. <laughs> no, I definitely thought the ending sucked. Um, but like I said, I don't have anything else to compare it to. So I was like, well, this is, this is like right. this, These are books. <laughs> these are books. I will you know. refuse that to be your recommendation. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, oh I love it. <laughs> oh, and you are such a joy to talk to. You just gave so much information for our listeners and just insight and uh, truth that you dropped. Yes. I love all of this. And I'm sure our audience is also falling in love with you. So if they don't already know where to find you, do you want to drop all the the links, the spots, the handles, everything? Um, yeah, I guess I will just direct them to my Instagram, which is Hey Ann Blodgett. Um, or there's always annblodgett.com if you guys are interested in booking a boudoir session or a mentor session with me. I she is also it. the like short hair queen. If anybody wants <laughs> to know where I got like my in- inspo for being like short and hella blonde, although I don't think you're blonde anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, she is the absolute queen of the short hair. Don't care. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I think you rock the short hair just as good as I do. So I don't know what you're I'm, talking about. I'm just, I don't have that quaff that you do. It like, it like goes <laughs> up. It's like, it's like defies it's gravity. Called, it's called hair damage. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's, 
It's called It's Been Bleached Too Many Times, and so it just sticks up really high now. Okay, so that's, the, that's what I need to do then. Okay, great. <laughs> Lindsay's like, I'm on it. Come back in, in a year. I'll well, tell you where I got, we're at. I, I, I followed, like, your whole hair highlight journey on Instagram, and the I think it was – you called it hair crack, and it has it's a red bottle. Is yeah, it like it's a hair crack. Yeah, I, that works. Yeah. It makes it, Evie, you used it. Oh, oh I, I did use it. That stuff is is magical because I've used I was like, like and not to use this. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I I've used like dry shampoo or different things that are supposed to like add texture or texture spread. That thing is like your it's hair like will. Oh my gosh, it's, it's it will good. stand up for days. Like will- <laughs> that's amazing, oh, amazing. Well, and thank you so much for being on the show. We are so honored to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you, ladies. <laughs> 